This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Awesome. What's up, Eno? How are you? Doing good, doing good. You know, tonight, really interesting. You know, you look at these numbers, Verlander, and he's, you know, played 17 years in the American League. His dominance over the A's is unbelievable, but then I'm sure it's like this. I can't imagine what all of his numbers are like against these teams in the Central. And I, you know, at 39 years old, and as they say after Tommy John, he's got a new arm. I just, it truly is amazing. I'm not expecting a lot tonight out of him coming off the IL, but just when you look at the numbers, they're just, they're mind-blowing how good he has been. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of how he is in the game because, you know, sometimes he'll sit 94, you know, sit 95, and then in the seventh inning, throw 99. He's kind of doing that in his career, right? Like it's, you thought, oh, you know, okay, he's declining, he's declining. He's like, nope, nope. Here's 99 in the seventh inning, quote unquote, of my of my career, basically. So, I mean, it's just amazing how much he's had in the tank. Yeah, he said earlier this year that he's finally able to truly let it go. And that's allowed him to get back to 98, 99. I remember it was a game at Yankee Stadium. I saw that and went, wow, man, he's throwing that hard again. That's unbelievable. And he's got that quest. He's got that Tom Brady in him that he just wants to keep playing. You think he'll get to 300 because he will be the last guy we'll ever see do that. Yeah, if we just don't, we're not even training pitchers anymore to uh, to do that. So, you know, uh, whether or not he does it, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, he needs, how much does he need, actually? He's at 240. I checked it. 242, I think 242. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of doubt it. You know, the way that the way things go now, they take people out early. People get like 13 to 15 wins. I mean, he would have to be, he'd have to have like five more seasons in him. I feel like, well, and, and I'm just wondering, and I hate it, but we have to adapt, right? As Moneyball taught us, Brad Pitt, Moneyball adapt or die. Do we now need to start looking at these outings and Spencer Strider may be a great example where we've always thought about having all these multiple pitches and everything. Well, you're not going seven, eight innings anymore, right? Well, if I'm only going to have you out there for five innings, it's almost I need you to throw like you're an extended closer. What are your two best pitchers? Two best pitches. Go out there and attack. I, I saw Cap do that last night. Caprillion was basically fastball slider. He's not going deep in the game. Is that kind of where we're going or how we should start? If this is, we're not going to allow guys to go deep. Train them to be more like 
You're just like a closer. Don't worry about four pitches. Give me your best two and let's go. That's exactly what I talked to Spencer Strider about when he was in town last week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had some skepticism. I, I, I sense it in your voice, you know, like, you know, I had some skepticism because there is research out there that says that the uh, more pitches you have, every additional pitch you have, the softer your third time through the order penalty is. So basically, even if it's not a great pitch, having another pitch makes you more likely to be able to turn the lineup over and go deeper in the games. Well, as you say, what if that's not even a concern? The average pitcher now, the basically starting pitchers get four and a half to five innings. So if you're not even really concerned with turning it over a third time and getting to that sixth and seventh inning, then uh, you don't need to worry about it so much. And Strider basically espoused mostly the idea that I've heard from other pitching coaches too, which is just use your best pitches. You know, pitchers say, I don't want to be beat on my third best pitch or my fourth best pitch. Um, and so he just designed his two pitches to be as nasty as possible. And he doesn't really want to throw his other pitches. So I think you're right that it has something to do with only going five. You know, it's like anything else in sports. You know, you got what you do well. And if I got a pitch that's really good and the guy didn't hit it the first two times, why do you think he's going to hit it a third time? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if this is my best pitch, if this is what I this is what I do, I think about now where I am playing golf, whenever I try and get away from what I do best, I I, I don't do as well. It's like, do what you do well. And compete with he, what you got. I think it's hard to do it if you don't have some command. Because if you if you don't have command and you're just throwing two pitches, they can keyhole you and just be like, okay, I'm going to wait for a fastball in this area. He doesn't really want to throw it in that area, but he's going to make a mistake. The thing that that convinced me that Strider can maybe do it is, is he says, if they start sitting on high and hard and they were just waiting on my fastball high, all I have to do is start, you know, hit the low in the zone with a fastball a couple of times. Now they have to protect high and low. Um, and so if you have the command to be able to do that, uh, that's great. But uh, if you, you know, some of these guys like closers, for example, don't often have that command. So that might be the difference between a closer that can go one inning and a closer that can go five, like Strider, is some semblance of command. All right, I'm not going to bust out my X-Files conspiracy music, but you threw it out there. Spin rates are back, baby. Let's go. We're checking guys' hands. I've seen we get got guys' hair being checked. I mean, everybody's mm. getting checked. I mean, what do we got to do? Swabs in the mouth now? I mean, are, are we back? Uh, we, do we do we got substances going again on the ball? What's happening? Yeah, if you look at league-wide spin rates, they're back to basically about where they were before the the uh, the enforcement began. It's not quite there. So I think we did get rid of spider tack. You know, spider tack. I don't know if you ever touch it. You touch pine tar. So yeah. if you touch, you know, pine tar is not something you can get off your hands in time to see the umpire. You know what I mean? If pine tar is one of those things you're like. No, you know, it doesn't like, come off. It, it does doesn't not. come off. You got to go really do something. It doesn't about come it. off your clothes. That's the one thing. Like whenever you see batters, like Justin Turner always has that pine yeah. tar on the back of his jersey, right? Well, if you're like a college player, or a high school player, that stains and doesn't go away. The big there. league, they they bleach the hell out of it. And they yeah. clean it every night. So yeah, you're right. Pine tar does not come off your 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 clothes, your hands. It doesn't. Yeah, so if you look at um, if you look at the highest spin rate, highest spin rate seasons uh, since they started tracking it, uh, this year's highest is fiftieth highest of all time. So that sounds like uh, that's not that high. The second one is one hundred and seventy fifth. 
So basically, we've cut the, the, the very top off. However, what we have seen is the spin rates creeping back up. And they're almost back to where they were before. And so I think what we're seeing is uh, hair gel, uh, bullfrog, you know, sunscreen with the rosin. But I also think maybe a little bit more than that. Because when we did the studies, bullfrog was worth about 100 RPM and spider tech was worth about 500 RPM. And the league is getting pretty close to where it was when people were using spider tech. So I think there's probably some some stuff beyond that. I had hitting coaches tell me about using baby oil or hand sanitizer on the pants so that you could use something kind of sticky and clear and then wipe it off on using the, the substance on your pants as kind of a way to wipe it off. Um, and so if that's the case, then, you know, putting somebody in the dugout to try and catch them is not going to work because they've already wiped their pants on, you know, they've already done with everything they're going to do on their pants and they've gotten it off. And so you're not going to catch them in the dugout. And, you know, I think that baseball's in a really tough spot because they, 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 you know, I had a league source tell me they're watching this vigilantly. So they care about this, right. You know, uh, there's strikeouts in there to get rid of, right. If you get rid of sticky stuff, you get rid of some strikeouts and they're trying to get rid of strikeouts. Uh, the problem is I think that the only thing that's left because you can't actually, you're not allowed to enforce after the fact. You can't use video after the fact and say, oh, oh, yesterday this guy did this, busted. You know, you can't you can't test balls after they've come off the field and the next day suspend them. It's just not how baseball works. It needs to start with the umpire. The umpire needs to catch you. And that's how enforcement starts. And so uh, the only thing that anyone's ever said that maybe could stop this is a fifth umpire standing behind the pitcher who can stop them before between touching whatever they touch and before they they throw the pitch and i i just don't know if baseball has a stomach for that well they don't need an umpire they need one of those teachers remember everybody had one of those teachers scared you straight yeah has like a ruler and as soon as as the pitcher starts that you whack him with the ruler that's what baseball needs and you can steal that from me. Write that in the athletic. Yeah. I, I, another thing I don't think baseball will do. <laughs> I mean, where are we are? Baby oil? I mean, where are we? I mean, seriously. I mean, no, this but this is, is that's the history of baseball, man. Yeah. It's, it's you know, the history of baseball and the history of cheating or one story. What do we, I mean, I guess there's really nothing yet. I mean, if we've gotten to a point where you're using substances that umpires can't look at your hands. Well, they, they put his, their fingers through his hair, you know, like, yeah. and he's a guy where the spin rates have come back. Like he had a big tumble after enforcement and the spin rates came back. So there's a legitimate reason to wonder if he's doing something. He's touching his hair every time he could before he goes to the rosin. It really looks like he's got something in his hair. Umpire touches his hair. What's he going to say? Mm, he has more hair gel in here than usual. Yeah, you're gonna suspend a guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> too much. His what, hair is too moist. Kind of, yeah. How, what kind of hair gel is this? Brandon Crawford wouldn't have a career if we I were doing know. that. <laughs> In fact, it's kind of funny. I think more, more and more pitchers are looking like Brandon Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> you're always like, wait a minute, it's dry out. Why is his hair so wet? It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it is beautiful. But uh, yeah. reports out of New York, Sandy Alderson stepping down. It immediately makes you think, and I, and I know some people put it out there already, but we know last year, and I know, that there was a deal in place for, for 
Billy Bean and Bob Melvin to go to New York. And then Bean backed out. And then there was still negotiations going on. Melvin to New York. Then the Padres came in. Huge deal. Melvin didn't want to go back to New York, even though he lived there for a while. And just the idea of going to San Diego with all that talent and the money, Bob took that route. So we have this has been just not even a year ago, some negotiations. Bean's contract's up after this season. You going to be shocked if Billy Bean ends up back in New York where he started his career as a player? That wouldn't be shocking to me. I don't know if I expect it. Uh, this role, the way it's been described as a, as a president, team president, uh, and not super involved in the baseball operations. And, you know, honestly, maybe that is something that appeals to, to Billy. Yeah. You know, he hasn't been a guy who has been as hands-on. I think, you know, I think Force has been doing more of the, the, the sort of baseball stuff. Um, so maybe that is something that appeals to him. But there's always been the rumor that Billy would go to soccer. Uh, next. And the other rumor that's really attached uh, to the Mets uh, constantly is David Stearns uh, out of uh, out of Milwaukee. So, um, you know, uh, the, it's a it's a prime job. It's it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a you know, one of those jewel sort of jobs. And they, it has an owner that spends a lot of money. That's got to be somewhat uh, appealing to Billy, um, you know, to try something different. So, uh, you know, I, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't expect it. Yeah. I, Billy's at a point in his life. He's not going to be a baseball lifer. He has said that on this show many times. So what interest him last time around, which would have been last year and maybe now, especially now is that it's a job about winning today. It's about winning next year and the year after it's not something where you're now starting a five-year rebuild, let's say. It's not Baltimore. You're going in. You could win. Then you could go to soccer. Right, right. And, you know, of course, the whatever the, the stadium, you know, team situation is, if uh, if he's reading the tea leaves and thinks uh, the A's are going to move or something, you know, maybe he, he makes this move to, to get out in front of that. So, um, you know, he knows, he knows more than any of us do. Uh, but it, it does seem like, uh, you know, the – the rumors about his future seem to get or gathering forces, you know, is it soccer? Is it, what is it, you know, is it going back to business? What is it? So um, I think that that comes from something, you know, before you came on earlier, I went on a little rant about Juan Soto and <laughs> I just, cause it just drove me nuts. Everybody's like, Oh, 400 something million. He could be worth half a bill. And I kept going, I get it. He walks a lot. He's got some power. He's not a great outfielder. Doesn't have a ton of speed. But this whole generational player, let's put him in Cooperstown now, and he's worth half a billion dollars. I was like, I don't know what your return on investment for Juan Soto is. And everybody told me I was an idiot. Well, things change in life. Expectations change. And you go to San Diego, and I'm looking at the numbers. 35 games in San Diego. He's hitting 202. He's got a 694 OPS, and the only reason why it's 694 is because he's got some walks in there. Uh, he is just not hitting. Went 0 for 4 last night as they were shut out again, and he de- declined, walked out. You know that crazy press in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got Kevin Acey from the San Diego Union Tribune breathing <laughs> down your neck. Um, he's just 3 for 48 in his last 15 games, on and on and on. And I thought about with you, one thing – when we don't talk, we don't have a metric for expectations and pressure. 
And when you're traded into a situation like this, now the weight of the world is on you. You've turned down all this money. The the fan base, they're selling out. They're going nuts. You're expected to get a home run every single time at bat. You know, when you look at expectations and pressures, is that, is that something that you could be looking at? Why the numbers for Juan Soto are really horrific? You know, I, I have actually studied this a little bit. And it, the reason I studied it is Chris Davis uh, with the K when he came over to the A's. Uh, he was a guy that had a pretty good sense of the zone. When he first came to the A's, he was swinging at everything. And so, you know, I looked into it and team and players that change teams do uh, usually swing more often, chase balls more often uh, when they enter the new team. Jay Bruce did it when he went to the Mets. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of people that have done this. And that's, so I found, so that to me is the effect. I call it pressing, you know, yeah. Gallo, you know, goes to New York, you know, starts chasing in a way that he hadn't ever before that's pressing you know what's funny about soto he's pressing but for soto pressing means not swinging at all <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. pressing i think it's it is pressing. Crazy. it's crazy it's the lowest swing rate of his career by far for his career he has a 37 percent swing rate he's been around 40 percent right now he's at 32 percent so he's just stopped swinging and, uh, you know, I think that it's obstinate and it's uh, probably good in writ large. It's like a good way to press. It's better than swinging everything. Uh, but, um, you know, selective aggression is better, you know, and he's going to have to do something because I've watched a lot of these at bats. And what's happening is he's a high ball hitter with really great patience. So he's just going to wait you out. He thinks that you can't consistently hit the bottom of the zone. And what's happening right now is pitchers are hitting the bottom of the zone. So really to get out of this, he needs to show hitters pitchers. He can do something at the bottom of the zone, right? He needs to, he needs to get aggressive and, and start doing something with pitches at the bottom of the zone too. So, uh, you know, I think he does need to do something. I think you're right to point out some of his uh, flaws. You know, the guys that have signed the biggest contract so far, Tatis, Trout and Betts, uh, they all do everything. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they do defense, they base run, they get on base, they hit for power, they do everything. Soto does have some flaws. You're right to point that out. It may not, he may not get uh, the 500. He may, he may get something that's just short of bets or just around bets. Um, he'll get a lot of money because of those walks, though, because uh, just a guy that, because his baseline is he's just usually better, like 20 or 30% better than the league average, and then he does get streaky, and then he's white hot. So the Padres is just hoping that he finds that and gets white hot right now. Uh, but to have a baseline where you're always at least 20 or 30% better than league average, like it's a very steady hitter. It's the kind of guy you want year in and year out. Well, the question, and it's not for now, we'll do this later on, will be how does San Diego end up? Do they not make the postseason? Do they make the postseason? Do they go on a run? We'll see all of that. And if it stays like this, you know, they're going to have to pay Tatis. I mean, they're going to have to pay that. You got Machado making 300. You know, what do you do with Soto? Do you move him now? Do you move him next year? So it'll be interesting to see because I, I don't know. You know, if you're saying he's going to get half a billion dollars, I doubt they're going to be able to afford that. So that 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 will be something that's. Yeah, we really haven't seen. We haven't seen like uh, two, 300. You haven't even seen two, 300 million guys on the same team, right? So. Um, I don't think this was a move made that, uh, you know, they were going to sign him long-term. I think basically, if you think about 
pressure on uh, executives and, and how things go. Um, you know, there's been some some good days in San Diego. There's not a lot to show for it yet, you know. And so you got to, if you are AJ Preller, feel a little bit of the hot seat. I mean, they had one of the, they had one of the most co- biggest collapses of all time, you know, uh, and just last year. They haven't made the playoffs under him. He's traded away everybody, so there's nobody in the in the in the in the minor leagues anymore. So this is it. He was like, I want Soto for two and a half years because that's all I got. That's how I read it. Uh, and you know, if he's if he has to trade Soto, how do you how do you sell to your owner? Now I got to trade Soto and rebuild. You got to give me another you rebuild. Know. It would no. be the third one. Right. Because remember, he came in and traded everybody for Kimbrell and Upton and all those guys. Right. So that was that was like, OK, I'm, I'm with a splash. Then he rebuilt. He got this one. If he's rebuilding again, I guess it would be a second rebuild. You don't usually get a second rebuild. No, I agree. I, I, and we'll talk more about this as we hit the post. That's why you saw John Daniels go in Texas. He had a rebuild. You know, they spent a bunch of money. It was time to move on. And how about, you know, speaking of that, how about everybody who was coming to town? And I, I'm not going to mention names. They're friends of the program. But they were all sold on not a big deal that they spent $500 million and that they're losing because they know in the offseason that's when they're going to go get pitching. And so, so, like, everybody was cool with, hey, Marcus isn't playing well. Seager is what Seager is. He's not that great. He's going to have some solo home runs. Not good, not good defensively as he made his 17th there. So, Everybody was like on board with this message, and then boom, manager well, fired like, John Daniels. Yeah, fired. it's true. I like teams trying to get better, uh, and they tried to get better, and they they spent a lot. And you know, you know, it's fair. It's a fair critique. I mean, we even when they did sign those guys, it was kind of weird to be like, oh, they signed all these guys and spent up all this money. Who's pitching for them? Somebody <laughs> has to pitch, right? Isn't right. that part of the yeah. Can Simeon pitch? Is he like Otani style now? Um, <laughs> so. and by the way, that's something I think is interesting uh, about the A's, is that we know you're going to need 10-plus starters a year. I mean, basically everybody. You're not going the five to seven guys. That, no, you're going to need a lot of guys. The A's have kind of collected a bunch of guys. If we have like a stable, like their horses – for, for starters, they've collected, you know, around 10 or so guys. And with the guys that are coming up from the trades who were injured in the past, I mean, the A's are going to have over 10 guys. It's going to be interesting, at least. Yeah, I think the pressure is more on the hitting side. The pressure is on, on young hitters, you know, to advance, to get better. Uh, and, uh, frankly, on ownership to put at least, you know, that 20 or 30 million that's gone to put that back on the table for Billy so that he can, you know, you know, I know you haven't loved the the sort of $10 million deals they've done in the past, like the Billy Butler deals, but they need to do something like that because they need, you know, a few more bats. Uh, I, I do agree that they've, they put together a pretty good staff. Should I still be trying to sell that $10 million Ben sheets deal? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I had to sell that, you know, I had to sell that. I was like, Oh, uh, well, I had the transaction analysis at Fangraphs on the Billy Butler deal, and I, I tried to sell that one, too. Uh, all right, let's end on this. Dermis Garcia, the numbers, really interesting. Obviously, a kid signed by the Yankees, $3.2 million and 14, and just time runs out, and you got to put him on the 40-man or make him a free agent. 
he's starting to hit at 24 years old with the A's. Is this a stock you'd be buying? I really love the quality of contact. You know, 17% barrel rate. Uh, he's hit the ball 111 miles an hour. So he's got power. I, I also like that he doesn't chase at the plate. He misses a lot, though. So, you know, if he's going to strike out 40% of the time, I'm not so sure. But if you can get that down to 35% or 33% even, that's doable in today's game. I mean, that used to be 30% used to be, wow, like that guy, you know, Chris Carter struck out like 28%. Everyone said, that's too much. Yeah. So, but if, if, if Garcia can, can strike out, that's what I'm waiting for to look for, you know, the rest of the season, next season, I want to see a 33% strikeout rate, 32% strikeout rate. If he can do that, then he can be your sort of prototypical power and patience type, type slugger. And I, that's something they need, you know, they, they, would, they got Brown, but they need another one. Would Chris Carter be considered a contact hitter in today's baseball? <laughs> I got I to look back at this because I got to <laughs> make sure. Okay. Okay. He had a 33% uh, career strikeout rate, but I think today in today's game, you know, there are plenty of guys with 33. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Great, <laughs> great stuff. I mean, every week, this is awesome. Field work is awesome. You're awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to go do a show from their brewery. I know we got to start working on that, but uh, thank you this week. We appreciate it. I know your son's got a game later on, right? That's right. He's on the Arizona Diamondbacks and uh, he's hitting 500. So contact, Eno. know, Con- yeah. power will come. Make some contact early. That's right. That's right. Do you know uh, how little command there is in Little League? <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, just well, walk after walk after walk. That's how I was like, when I work with him, I was like, throw strikes. Let's just throw it to the glove. <laughs> you know, don't worry about the knuckle curve. He's like, I want another knuckle curve. I'm like, just throw it to the, just throw it to the glove. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think Major League Baseball can be long. Little League Baseball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Enjoy thanks so much. And to field work, yeah. Listen for details on a, on a watch party uh, at their new San Leandro location, and we'll get we'll get the details locked down on that soon. And and thanks again for having me. Great stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.